Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. See, now that we have the ending figured out, now we have these pesky starts to try to figure out. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't know how Pat feels, but I'm just glad adult supervision is back. <laughs> oh, I'm adult supervision. I'm so sorry for you guys. <laughs> It's, it seems like we have a mutual, okay, we, we're we all on our best behaviors when all of us are present. Mm-hmm. Or, or, hear me out, maybe we just get along best with all three of us here. You mean the dynamic? Because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm feeling super dynamic today. Who's ready for for uh, conference final sweeps? Oh, now that I've said that, I know I've I've just blown that out of the water. But <laughs> all the same, I um I still am. There's still part of me that thinks Tampa is still playing with their food a little bit. Especially after some of the stuff I saw in the first period of the game that's currently going on, um, it—I it, don't know. It just feels like they're trying to give themselves a challenge to make things interesting, to keep their interest levels peaked, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then there's there's playing with your food. And then deciding to eat it after the fact. And there's also playing with your food because you don't actually want to eat it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost as if they're really just waiting for Braden Point to come back. So there'll be all systems go again. Because I'm starting to think it's the latter because... It, it's not like New York hasn't played well in the first seven periods of the series. Have they played that well, though? No. Yeah, see? see I'm kind of surprised that New York's made it this far to begin with. I really thought that, you know, Col- uh, Carolina would have put them away, but yeah. I mean, good on them. Never underestimate the impact of a ridiculous goaltending effort can provide your team in the playoffs. See 2000, what was it? 2014 Henrik Lundqvist and 2003 Jean-Sebastien Giguere, you know. Yeah, some teams depend upon that too much um, on players that really can't do that. <clears throat> Looking at New Edmonton. <laughs> Could, could I get a quick clarification? Who is this outstanding goaltender? Because I'm not so sure it's Shesterkin, who by no means has played poorly or played bad. I don't really think he's had to steal any games for New York in not the last in, not few in Tampa, weeks. No. Well, I think, uh, and not against Carolina either. No, you know what? I'll give you that one. Yeah, you know, because I, I think he held the fort until the goal started to come in in the Carolina series. There may have been a game or two in the Pittsburgh opening round where, okay, he he kind of took over, but 
That feels like it was three years ago at this point. COVID time, flat circle. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to your point about the Cassie to the team you're side-eyeing. Um, <laughs> man, the Mike Smith experience. That is a great name for a neo-proto-jazz fusion project, isn't it? Because that's about as sketchy, wonky, nonsensical, jumpy, time shift, utter chaos, all boiled down into the Mike Smith experience. Mm-hmm. And it's a ger- generic enough name that it could apply to all kinds of Mike Smiths. So. You know, Jocko Pastorius had um, an idea for one of his albums that he did not want the other musicians to hear. He didn't want the musicians to hear each other. He just wanted them to play parts and came out this chromatic fantasy. And he called it chromatic because he he didn't even tell them what, what key. <laughs> So they were all just playing stuff, and he managed to layer it all in to compose something out of it. Mike Smith hasn't done that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, where are you going with this? Because this isn't sounding like uh, Edmonton. (laughs) Mike Mike Smith, I I, I post my all-time favorite gift for the description of Mike Smith is, is is a little kid who's sitting there looking at his screen sort of kind of intently and then just jumps like something, you know, nightmarish came out and he like freaks out and panics and almost falls out of his chair. And that's Mike Smith goaltending. Here comes the shot. When the shot, when the shot arrives near Mike Smith, he spazzes out. Now that's how he is now. He wasn't like that a few years ago. No, he used to be a lot quieter. But roaming, he liked to roam. Oh, God. He should have roam. been chained to his net. Roam if you want to. Roam around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, watching Twitter every time, you know, Mike Smith giveth and Mike Smith taketh away. <laughs> is is There is nothing more apt and... Francois, Francois, Franchus, Franzus, however we're pronouncing Pavel's last name, Frankie, hasn't, you know, in his two games, he's not been great. He's been average. And to show you what even having consistently average goaltending can do, the word there is consistent. Could you imagine if the Oilers had consistently average goaltending? And, That's most teams, though. It's like if, well, uh, but... But, I mean, it's playoffs. I get it. Yeah. Right? If you had McDavid playing the way McDavid's been playing and had consistently average goaltending, this is different. This entire playoffs looks different. You know, Mike Smith is spectacular and then one screw up and then bad and then spectacular. You know, it's just 
find a groove, dude. Just, I don't care if it's a rut or a groove. It's all semantics. Just find something and get in it. It's called a senior league. He needs to get into a senior league, mm. not the NHL. So so our idea of, of creating an NHL senior circuit is coming back into play? I think uh, so. Has it ever left? No, I don't think it has. Because mm. Lord knows, I'm looking at Chris Chelios, and he looking like he's wanting to play still. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you look at Mark Messier, and you look like someone would absolutely destroy him. He's, yeah. he's lost a little of the muscle. He looks gaunt. He looks in uh, good health, but oh. not peak athleticism. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, after watching the first game of the Oilers Avalanche series, even with the run and gun chaos that beautiful that first game was just oh my god it was fun it was bad hockey that was fun because there was so much talent just going for it um a number of things struck me and and first and foremost was colorado's gonna win colorado's gonna win the cup I had them in my bracket, and I know that you know your brackets are still perfect. Yep. But I, I had them in my bracket in the Stanley Cup final, but I had them losing to Florida. So, yeah. I think if that series would have come to fruition, oh my God, could you imagine how silly that a Florida Colorado Cup final series would have been? The complete opposite of the first version of the Colorado. Florida yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs. It would have been a complete 180 from it. That would have been a silly series. Would have been fun. Oh my God, it would have been a blast. But, you know, there's always somebody like Tampa that comes along and says, we can play any game you want to play. We can play fast. We can play rough. You know. Killjoys. Yeah. Well, at the very least, either of the Eastern Conference goalies can steal games from Colorado so they can make it close. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I think I think New York's got the young puppy dog exuberance up and down their lineup, especially on the back end that, you know, they can create some chaos for Colorado almost akin to what Colorado creates, right? With McCarr and, and um, Bowen Byram stepping up. Um, you know, because it's, it's the rover position, right? You don't know what the hell those guys are going to do. Keandre Miller has looked unbelievably impressive on top of it. So you've got equivalencies between, between the Rangers roster and Colorado's roster. Colorado's got a little bit higher end talent but you know they're they're kind of fire and ice until you get to the goaltender so but then uh, the rangers absolutely have nothing to lose i mean they've gone right. farther than what anyone's expected them to go at this point you know especially where they're up in the series against tampa of all teams and if they make it to the final i mean it's just Cherry on top for them. It's they are they are playing fully 
with like not just house money, but like three different casinos money at this point. Yeah, it's like the the freest place to be anywhere is when you have absolutely nothing to lose and you can try anything and it doesn't matter if you're failed because you've already you've already won. Or you've already lost, however that all plays out for you, but you know. Not so against Colorado, but they they actually have enough talent to to pull it off and almost be a, a, a Cinderella story that we don't really have. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, though, is that Colorado, for all the, you know, they have all this firepower, they have expectations. The way, yeah. Well, you know, I I wonder. Not about, as much as Tampa, but they still right. have expectations. I, I, I'm seeing, I wonder a little bit about that because theirs was the one better than Toronto expectations, right? You know, I. Would there, if Toronto had won the first round series, would there have been expectations for them to win the cup? You bet. But do you know how, if they lost in the second round or even the conference final, you know they'd take that victory of at least they got out of the first round. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's there with Colorado, right? It's they couldn't get out of the second round to save their lives, and now they did it. Now you know. It looks like they're going to go ahead and advance. So even if they lose the cup final, you know, if it, if they lose to Tampa, I think they go, okay, you know, we proved ourselves we can get here. Now we know what we need to do. If they lose against New York, you know, I wonder if that doesn't sting a little more because that's a team they maybe should have beaten. It's a bit uglier. Kind of, yeah. But right now, Colorado absolutely feels like the Capitals back in 2018. You just see it, right? Yeah, it's they got past that one hurdle and then just the wheels kept rolling. And I'll say either New York or Tampa would be more formidable in a final than Vegas was for the Caps, but It it just feels inevitable with Colorado. I don't know how to explain it. It just they're they're you see it in their game. They're playing kind of possessed. The further along they get, that that you know, like you were saying, Pat, the wheels you know it just starts gaining that momentum. You know, the confidence starts building, and now you're you know the the vaunted McDavid Drysital you know laying waste to everyone else that they've run across so far, you've held them in check and you're going to probably punt them in four. Mm-hmm. I now guess what, the upside is at least they built things and done things in a fun manner. So whenever someone tries to emulate them, it means yes. positive results. Oh uh, yes. yeah. Next season, if, if the abs win the Stanley cup, at least, you know, teams will actually be more fun. <laughs> Everyone's going to look for a Kale McCarr or a Bowen Byram or... And they're not going to find one. Oh, yeah. You know what? I Thank you. I I keep forgetting Devon Devin Toez Tabes. And he is not as flashy as Fried Kale. But holy crap. Is And that's that solid consistency again, right? Mm-hmm. Something Edmonton just doesn't even have on the back end. Nurse is 
I don't know what the hell's wrong with him, but something's bothering him. Well, here's the problem. Nurse was watching some of my beer league highlights uh, last mm. night. <laughs> Except for when he defl- when when he put that puck on net on Mike Smith. You know, he he was taking it easy. Because I've been known to be leaning on the stick a little hard and a puck should just hit my stick and move faster than a uh, Brett Hall slap shot. (laughs) (laughs) My goalie gives me grief all the time. But yes, I have scored way nicer goals on my own goalie than... uh, Many many an own goal hath been scored by defensemen thinking they're doing the right thing by getting a puck into the lane and uh uh-huh. No, I've done done a Steve Smith and then I just snapped one past my own goalie, but that's it. I only have two to my credit. What is it with Smiths in Edmonton? Whew. Mm-hmm. Might be onto something there. It's, you know what? It's because it's not smelled right. It's it, right. It's lacking the why. It's lacking the why. In more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Cassie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was. Hoping. I'm like, oh right. He wants me to do the obvious. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was. Take that one up. Choke it, get picked up. Thank you. Oh, hey, Patrice Bergeron won the Patrice Bergeron Award again. Oh, did they finally come out with what was wrong with him? Or you're talking about the the Bing? No, the Patrice Bergeron Award for best faceoff percentage. Oh, I'm sorry, the the Selkie. They just need to. Oh, I see. You know, we're just re- we're we're just going to go ahead and start referring it to the Patrice Bergeron Award for excellence in being Patrice Bergeron. Because I'd seen a picture of him on Twitter earlier today, yesterday. I don't remember when it was, where he had his arm all bound up in a half cast, huh. but the Bruins had not announced any injuries or surgeries or anything that happened to him. So I guess I... you don't have to at this point. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? They really kind of don't. I'm I'm sorry. I forgot to pres- I forgot to add the title sponsor to the Patrice Bergeron Award for Excellence in Being Patrice Bergeron, presented by Dunkin' Donuts. Sorry. Mm. Now, Patrick, it's just Dunkin'. That's oh, not what the sign says. God, that's right. They did go through a rebrand, and they just yeah. <clears throat> Can't wait for that Dunkin' hamburger. That Dunkin' Wagyu. Beef burger. <laughs> um, there was lots of Dunkin' Donuts discussion this past week with my family, so. Oh, I'm sure. I guess it's only nice. It's only good and right to continue that into this. <laughs> what's you know what's funny to me is that franchise literally doesn't exist in Washington. Mm-hmm. There was one Dunkin' Donuts franchise up here that was all the way down in Renton. And that didn't last very long. It's because their donuts aren't very good, and neither is their coffee. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? Cassie. Good thing that, um, you know, there's no more burning witches around here, I suppose. (laughs) 
Cassie. Mm. How dare you? Oh, I dare very easily, sadly. <sighs> anyway. Uh, Live in-game update. Vasilevsky's post won the New York Rangers on a three-on-four penalty kill zero. <laughs> yeah. um, Scoreless, 13-30 left in the second. Wasn't it Patrick Waugh who used to talk, who used to whisper yes. sweet nothings to his goalposts because, yep. you know, they were going to help him out? Yep, and he yeah. also refused to skate. He had He had to hop over. The, the blue, blue lines. lines and the center lines to get mm-hmm. to his bench. He couldn't touch those. Mm-hmm. And then had to do his whole um, shaving the crease in a specific way. Mm-hmm. And then he'd talk to his posts. And then, oh, yeah, that man was ritual of rituals. In, in need of therapy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yep. Pretty well. much. <laughs> so much so that I'm actually still in it. Um, boy, this is fun. How do we get three-on-three three hockey? Oh, that's right. They just start cascading penalties one on top of each other. Um, it's I'm regular watching... season Corey Perry instead of postseason Corey Perry. Yeah, this is true. Um, I'm watching the... Or I, I, yeah, I'm watching the ice cast version of this game, and I really, really, really wish they would do it like they had been doing the other ice casts, where they dumped out the broadcast play-by-play because every time they go do the replay part and Ray starts talking, all you're watching is players mulling around on the ice. And, you know, and then if I, if I look away, they're still piping in the audio from the replay and I hear whistles and scrum and I look down again really quick at the screen and the players are still just mulling around waiting for the, waiting for the puck drop and I'm like what oh god you know because they're not they're just bringing in the voices and the audio they're not bringing in any of the visual stuff until intermissions I really wish they'd just dump all of the audio except for the game the um, on ice stuff like they did in other ones mostly because I also don't like Sean McDonough but that's neither here nor there or maybe that's everything. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. I I am digging the aerial cam. Oh boy, Rangers just scored. This could be over sooner than we thought. Um, they have a. <laughs> okay, okay. <Sorry. laughs> yeah, they have, have a floating camera, so I'm really How digging the floating. How quickly camera. is league head office calling up hotels in Montreal trying to move the draft up from? First weekend in June or July to, you know, normal time. Because the cup isn't going to go as long as they think. Oh, no. Not at this rate. I think if the, you know what? I don't think they can at this point because. Yeah, I think so uh, those states are pretty locked in. It's, I know, but. Well, I don't. Got, somebody's, somebody is having this conversation. I know oh, yes. we can't. I, I think. Uh, I don't. They could do it if they wanted to, but I think they. I think out of fairness to kids traveling, and all the and parents and families, especially you know anybody coming from Europe and that kind of crap, I don't think they'd do it. I think I think if it was a month earlier or something, they might, but I just don't think logistically it'd be fair to. You know, all of all of the people coming in to support their kids and 
and those kids coming in, even from all over. Well, I don't think logistically they really could eat anyway, because I'm sure hotels are all booked up before and after the draft. Yeah, they could. Nah, I don't think they care so much about their hotels. I think they could get it done if they really wanted to. Yeah. But, no. So, I, uh, just make sure you work, mute the word cottage a little earlier than usual, because <laughs> you're going to hear some whining and complaining. No, I have to wait an extra week before I can head off to the cottage and sit in my Muskoga chair. I'm sorry, you're what? Oh, it's an Adirondack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not when you're in Canada. <laughs> it's a Muskoka chair. <clears throat> Adirondack. I just call them uncomfortable chairs. <clears throat> you have to climb out of them with a ladder. Uh, Who needs that? You know, and... My kids? Yeah. Just for shits and giggles. <laughs> Gits and shiggles? Those two. I didn't. I really didn't have anything else this week. <laughs> I I just had the Darnell nurse commentary, and that was about it. Uh, the only other thing I had was the um the under eighteen women's world championship starts tomorrow in Madison, Wisconsin. They rescheduled it. For those that don't remember, it was supposed to be in January. And it's uh, getting some TV coverage. And I believe the women, the United States um, women's coaching staff are all women this year. Mm-hmm. Not a stinky man to be had. <laughs> Thank you. Cooties, all the cooties. <laughs> you know, boy cooties. Mm-hmm. I'm a. You know, I for I I'll be honest with you. I forgot that the staff was all women. Mm-hmm. And I now that I remember it, thank you for reminding me. I am so flippin' excited because that's, you know, every little bit, right? Of of foisting them forward <laughs> puts them in better positions for NHL jobs. Well, it just it's one of those things having men coaching women, which is which happens all the time, you know, at every level. And you get all the men who are like, oh no, we can't have women coaching men. What would we do? What about the locker rooms? It's like, uh. Do you not know what goes on on the women's side of things? Yes. <laughs> Do you not understand this? Do you not understand how much bigger of a lawsuit that would be? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, God. You know, it, it, it would be awesome if we lived in a meritocracy. Right? Because mm-hmm. I think there would have been more women in coaching positions in the NHL than already if it was purely meritocracy i I, you know i think them i I think they have a better grasp of strategy simply because they have to (laughs) you have to strategize how to live your life as a woman (laughs) you're constantly playing 
you know, five dimensional chess in every in every day in every aspect of your day almost. How well, I- yeah, but I mean, besides that, <laughs> for us, that's like a given. You know, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, no, no, that's what we do all the time. No, I'm talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> And and of course, as a man, I don't understand that. Um, <clears throat> I'll just let that one go. <laughs> I'll just okay. We'll move on from that. Anyway, I tried to set it. I tried to set it up for you, Cassie. I really did. You could have, you could have taken the ball and run with it. Yeah, I, I decided. I decided to be kind and not to. <laughs> But no, I mean, just just generally speaking, as a you know, women trying to live in a man's world, especially professional aspect to it, you have to be perfect in order to be taken seriously. Right. But that... men can you know look like complete morons like Paul Bissonnette on TNT's uh, desk last night. Well, I wasn't going to say anything about that, but yes. Um, so. No, so... it had to be said. Get that off my screen. Because <laughs> so, I yeah, still have you know, it muted, but I still have to look at it. Right. Occasionally when I glance up. Well, you know, bar stool and uh, et cetera and so on. Live in game update. <laughs> this is uh this is everyone is canceling their hotel plans for New York uh for game five because it's probably not happening. Two nothing Rangers. Oh gosh, that is a shame. I feel so bad for them. Hmm. I'm. I um. Whoa, hang on here. I'm. Jesus Christ, Cassie, you just blew my sarcasm <laughs> out of the water. Damn thing's smoking over here. Hang on, <laughs> got to put this fire out. <clears throat> yeah, that that really is too bad. <laughs> wow. What do the kids say? No chill. <laughs> All the shade. Do the kids even still use shade? No, everything is sus. Oh, I'm totally sus. That's okay. Every everything is suspect, but it's just sus. Everything's sus for to me. Cassie will get that joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Music joke. <laughs> So do you think the New York Islanders have some sort of celebration after a team, you know, fails in their chance to go for four in a row? Sort of like the Miami Dolphins of the you 70s. Know, they might, except for the fact that it's the Rangers doing it, like, you know, preventing that from happening. And so they they may have to call it off. So will they wait until the Rangers actually are eliminated in the next round? Could, maybe. For all the please like my sports stuff, I have a feeling that's the one thing that hockey wouldn't do. Just because they're not that clever. Well, clever being clever means you have to have imagination, and imagination is stamped out of every single like man who plays or is associated with hockey because that's disruptive. Being creative is disruptive. It's not part of the system. 
Oh, unless it's Marty St. Louis, and then that's another story entirely. But anyway. <sighs> okay, now that you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what you missed. Me just like throwing crap out there and you latching onto it. It's all good. Um. Do you think if they have any success next season that it will have an impact on any coaches or any coaching decisions made by other teams? Or do you think that, you know, because again, a copycat league, right? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, if if they come out of the gates and it's, you know, 1970s Montreal Canadian fire wagon hockey, you know, even without Carey Price back there, um, would any other teams look at their stoic, stodgy, Elaine Vigneault crap coach prototypes and decide to maybe find someone else like that. I think former players would. I think former players would look at what Marty St. Louis is doing and thinking to themselves, well, damn it, why didn't I do that? You know, the guys that are coaching right now that are like, why why am I not coaching our team like I wanted to play? Which is what Marty's doing. Marty's, that's totally his coaching philosophy is, I didn't like playing under a system. I didn't enjoy it, so I'm going to play something that that my team's going to enjoy, and that's why they're playing. That's why towards the end of the season they were playing really well. But, um, but yeah, I think the I think the newer coaches who used to be or GMs who used to be players will probably consider it if they think they can get away with it without being fired. <laughs> um, but like the older ones, the older guard, the uh, the stodgy ones, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm. I'm just gonna put this little bug out there. Um, if things go sideways in New Jersey, is Megan Duggan on the bench before the end of the season? Hmm. Because I'm starting to think yes, especially since they cleaned house of most of their assistant coaches. Hmm. God, that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be fun? And and they're they're kind of the franchise that I would see doing it. The way they've really sort of revamped themselves after all the Lamarillo years. And you know, right or wrong how he ran things, they really seem to be opening themselves up, you know, to experimentation and doing new things. Being innovative. Yeah. Sort of. Well, it's innovative. Well, it would be seen as innovative in the NHL, even though it's not kind of really innovative, but yeah. Hmm. I can see that as an interim coach decision. I don't know if she would stick. I'd hate to see her get in the position of being interim. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it not making any difference because the team is constructed, right? Mm-hmm. Or is, you know, still has issues on the defense and they're kind of goaltending. Um, and by her nature, she is a forward and that's not her expertise, you would imagine. Now imagine if she got the permanent head coach position who she might bring in as her assistant, if she had a choice. Would she actually try to pull in more women or play it safe and just have men as assistants? Or, I mean, I don't know that she would actually have a choice, honestly, but... I think she'd work with Fitzgerald, you know, and I think I think she'd be more prone to being a meritocracy system than, you know, than another stodgy old white middle aged man who would just say, you know, I know these guys give me these guys. Well, I mean, yeah, but that that is also like a thing, though, right? It's a, if she could, would she bring in people she's familiar with? And if she does, then how many well, of those would be women? What I what I'm saying is, I think she'd be more apt not to do the whole nepotism thing, right? Um, simply because I think she'd want to make sure that she gave herself the best opportunity to succeed and have the team succeed. And mm-hmm. I think she'd be more willing to not just default to bringing in guys that she knows, you know, and go with the best people, you know, for running defense, for running power plays. Right. And, you know, I think working in their system, um, she's going to get a, a, a a wider spectrum view, you know, and then maybe start having an impact on coaches that are behind the bench and their minor leagues too. You know, this, you know, and I hate to bring up his name again, but you know, the, the likelihood of a Roy Sommer under, you know, existing in a world where Megan Duggan's the head coach of the NHL team wouldn't, I don't think would fly very long. No, no, it would not. I think she'd be more apt to say we have, I think we need to do something because the players that are coming up aren't going to be able to make an impact right away because I have to unlearn, you know, I have to deprogram them from everything that's been taught to them down below. I don't know. Well, that, she would I, have to do that anyway, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, but if but if she had more trust and a better working relationship with whomever was down at the AHL, you know, and I think in that having more of a say who was down in the AHL, that would be less of that. Right. So I mean, that's the problem with hockey in generally, especially when white. NHLers in particular have a hard time becoming civilians again is because they have to unlearn everything that was appropriate in hockey is no longer appropriate in the real world. <laughs> so yeah, I, st- <laughs> I still go back to that Brendan Shanahan interview on Smartless <laughs> where he took where he took an office job with the NHL and didn't know when it was time to leave. Yeah. Because <laughs> his entire life it was a whistle. 
Mm-hmm. It was a whistle and a horn or a whistle and a buzzer said, okay, game's over. Now you can go. <laughs> it does make life easy. It kind of does. <clears throat> we we need the old steam whistle back in, even in virtual working environments. Just so I can slide down the back of a brontosaurus and <laughs> punch my time clock out with the bird and kick my feet around in my car. Yeah. Under your car. I still never understood the physics of that because those wheels had to weigh like a ton each. And not to mention the friction would yeah, cause the wheels to reduce, but you know. And my, my thought was always the rocks being kicked up into your feet as you're going along because you're barefoot <clears throat> and wheels kick up like rocks, you know. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to pull up stuff and it's going to chuck it up there. You come for the hockey talk, you stay for the physics and... The Flintstones <laughs> physics. And <laughs> <laughs> dismantling of the of the Flintstone universe. The Flintstone mm-hmm. Jetson universe. Oh, God, yes. The Great Gazoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they were the same planet, apparently. <laughs> Was that the worst crossover in cartoons ever? Yes. Oh. One of the worst. (laughs) But the worst. How how long do we have here? Go for it. Go for it. it. We have as long as we want. It's our show. (laughs) Most Scooby-Doo crossovers were abjectly horrible yeah but they weren't really persistent right they didn't change they didn't actually change the uh the canon of scooby-doo though not really because it was just guest appearances you're like okay you know nancy drew whatever and you move on with life but but like the Flintstones and the Jetsons being part of the same planet is mind-blowingly makes sense, and it changes the whole canon of both shows. And and and, and you know they went with the Oliver Scrappy Do approach, right? And they introduced a character <sighs> to both universes to act as that you know that thread. Whereas the, whereas the Scooby-Doo's, it's like, okay, Scooby-Doo does a special with Batman, right? And it was generally a one-off. But the Great Gazoo was an entire season or season and a half story arc. Yeah. It's like Fonzie jumping the shark. <laughs> People wonder where I, I'm sure people now wonder where that came from. It came from Happy Days. There was an episode an episode on Happy Days where the Fonz is actually you, water skiing and he literally jumps over a shark. You, <laughs> and that's in when we Wisconsin. all knew that Happy Days was over. <laughs> that was the one thing I do I never remembered was was this actually in a lake in Wisconsin? No. This ah, this was that would have been so better. so I think for context, Cassie, you have to under I think you I think we need to go back and remind people of why 
the showrunners felt it was necessary for the Fonz to do this jump. <laughs> they had been dying in the ratings. Mm-hmm. And because the show had been on for ages. So so much so that a lot of the original cast had I think Ron Howard had left by then. Um you know, they, they moved him off to, to college because the whole thing started when they were, you know, supposedly teenagers. Right. And the other brother that disappeared and never came back. <laughs> right. Exactly. So they were, you know, the show ended up instead of being this dynamic between Ron Howard and Henry Winkler and 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 Marion Ross and, uh, you know, and all of these other sub characters all coming together, they slowly had to start focusing on single characters as the main show carriers and they had been getting killed in the ratings so they took a trip to california because that's what everyone does the birdie bunch went to hawaii Mm -hmm. to try and boost their ratings you know um everyone does that kind of stuff and there was the whole thing so Widely regarded as one of the worst episodes in television history, much less for the show, the jump the shark thing was intended to be a cliffhanger to save the show. Mm-hmm. And boy, howdy, did it fail. <laughs> <laughs> so badly that now it is a saying for shows who are desperate in the ratings trying to. <laughs> well, not just for shows, it's for just about anybody, you know. Right. You know, this boy, this band really jumped the shark when they when they switched labels, you know, or when mm-hmm. they, you know, got rid of this guitarist, you know, it's like, you know, they thought they were doing something to improve their record sales. You know, you could say it about hockey teams. Say about everything. Yeah. And I'm still trying to, where the hell did this bruise come from? I, <laughs> Welcome know, to my life. <laughs> I think Always. I'm getting in. I think I am passing out at night and getting into a fight club in sleepwalking mode or something good god um i guess that means we're pretty much done here (laughs) just explain jump the shark um (laughs) and apparently my narcoleptic fight club right all right well thanks for joining us everybody follow us on twitter at 3v3podcast We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees. 